on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. I know. I have that sign hanging over my desk. Well, it's true. <laughs> you know what? So, wow. Holy shit. This was, um, it feels like we just were sitting here doing this like not that long ago. No. But it I was. Know. But it was like a week ago. Well, I, I'm very motivated now to do these shows because there's so many people listening. <laughs> it's true. I don't know where all these new listeners came from, but welcome. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to the Thunderdome. You probably heard us on Dopey because... Um, we've been mentioned on there a few times, and every time I hear our name, I get a little tingle. You just keep doing free work for Dave, so he keeps plugging the show. Okay, <laughs> hey man, it works out well for for me because I don't actually have to do anything yeah, except yeah. reap the, the huge <laughs> piles of cash that come in through our uh, or whatever piles, piles. Yeah, it's been a rough uh, week at Dopey Marketing Department, but um, it's going well over there. But it's helping here, and so if you've joined us because you heard about us on Dopey. Welcome. This is not going to be um, the same exact show. Um, it's not. When, uh, as Dopey, you know. It's oh, fuck, a little no. less with the um, war stories, but we have just as much fun. So hang around. It is not a, what did the guy call us? Like going to a, an oh, engineering lecture. I, gotta, I forgot. I got to read that review too. Yeah. We've been accused by uh, someone who came over. <laughs> Wait. From, yeah, okay. Okay. But... Um, <laughs> So, so if you're ready for an engineering lecture, here we go. Doing a line of what? <laughs> Riddling. You're on RMA Radio. Yes, RMA Radio. Here we are. Here we Welcome. go. And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. And I'm Mike R. And boy, do we have a show for you today on RMA. We are joined by the incomparable, the amazing, the Hare Krishna uh, podcaster. No? Uh, not yet. Soon to be a podcaster. And... Her name is Jiva G. Joined by Jiva G. Uh, and we catch up on last week and all the fun stuff that we've been up to. All this and more today on a very, very special edition of RMA. Yes. And welcome to all of you from around the world, across the table, and that old shtick I used to do. Welcome. You, we don't want to get too formulaic with this show, do we? Well, we haven't been too formulaic. Pe- I mean. People do like, um, they take comfort in routine, do they not? I agree. So perhaps Isn't saying for- the same thing every week, <laughs> it's like sitcoms, right? The yeah. jokes are the same. The story arc is the same right. every week. It's a- and people keep tuning in week after week. But if are we really going for the lowest common denominator audience? No. Our audience no, no, is so no, much no, better no, than no. that. But, I mean, even like Slayer, if you listen to the last several Slayer records, they sound like they could have all been recorded in the same day and look how <laughs> successful they are same yeah. thing with metallica they write well see a couple of times when metallica fell off their formula mm-hmm. nobody liked it they're like what are you guys doing this is ridiculous metallica's now, been off their formula since the first album aha but you haven't did you listen to the last two records no they it sounds like ride the lightning like they went way back too late though too well, late I enjoy all it. the original fans have gone and even if they come back they're like this isn't this isn't uh kill them all 
<laughs> you know? Is it? But I'm telling you, listen to Death Magnetic and then the newer record. It sounds like they're desperately grasping at their past. Metallica right hit their peak with the song Whiplash off of Kill 'Em All, and they've never been able to come anywhere close to that. Hmm. That's my opinion. I know you don't like it, but hmm. whatever. Everything that came after that record sounded like they were trying to hit for MTV, but. Yeah, and they did. They did. I mean, I'm God not begrudging them. them their success, but if you're talking about... Why am I talking about heavy metal? I fucking hate <laughs> heavy metal. <laughs> I know. I'm like, wow, I had no idea you had <laughs> such strong feelings about Metallica. That, that record occupies a special place in my heart because when I was going to college, my friend uh, Doug, who was on the lacrosse team, uh, would lock the door, put on Kill 'Em All, and then slam it. We would slam dance in my dorm room for like to, to get all the aggression out it's good it's a positive outlet of negative energy oh that's interesting that's what we used to say so uh we got a couple of reviews this week did we not um i believe we did are you gonna read the good one um yeah <laughs> i'll read the good one well okay. how are you supposed to deliver news don't you say something positive then negative and then you end with something positive right but we only have two so we're just gonna have to all right, so uh, this is um, five stars. This is from Apple iTunes, so if you want to leave us a review that we'll read, go on there. And this one says, great listen, and it's Donna G from M.O. Great listen. I think that means what? Missouri. Missouri. Great listen, especially for my commute. I'm not sure how I even found the show, but it's definitely another tool in my recovery arsenal. I love the free-flowing... Uh, Fucks that just come out so casual. I was trying to figure out what um, apostrophe U C K S. Free flowing fucks. I was going to say free flowing ducks, and I'm like, why? That doesn't make sense. So I love the free flowing fucks that just come out so casually. I have that habit too, and it's good to know that I am not alone in that either. Uh, the show gives me more exposure and reminders to the fact that addiction is not curable, and I need to keep recovery close by. On the daily, Donna. Thank keep, you, Donna. Keep it close by on the daily, and we'll continue to give fucks. Yes, the fucks <laughs> will keep flowing. Uh, they will stick around. Stick around. Thank you, Donna. Yeah, that was a. Uh, that's nice. I mean, it's always nice to get. Um, you know what I'm having trouble finding though. Mm-mm. I'm having trouble finding the other one. Yeah, we got a re uh, um, a listener from Dopey heard a, heard a, the mention, and then I guess he was. Coming on the show uh, to listen to us to hear more crazy stories. Now, there are crazy war stories throughout. Every once in a while. If the gentleman didn't just turn off the show after the first minute or two, maybe he could have, you know, good things come to those who wait, as they say. So, um, we're sorry we were unable to entertain you, sir. Um, But look, it's not for everybody. Um, This is bothering me now. Yeah. Like, I think this can... What, do you want to pause it to find it? Yes. It's that bad. Okay. Yes, I do. And we'll be right back. Okay, sorry about that brain fart. Um, mm-hmm. So we got a great review from Instagram. Apparently people follow us on Instagram. It's by Hugh G. Rection. Do you think that's a joke? It really is Hugh Maybe. G. Rection. Yeah. Okay, cool. So Hugh G. Rection sent us this message, private message. I heard to listen from Dopey because in the past three or four episodes, he promotes your pod. I think your guy's pod is shitty. I couldn't make it more than five minutes. Sometimes I, Derek, I have the same (laughs) feeling when I sit down here and press record on the microphone. Uh, And I said, well, well, you can't please everybody. And he said, so here's, here's the, the, um, the meat of the review, if you will. Uh, It's insane. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's insanely boring, and the banter between you guys isn't funny or entertaining. Mm. I felt like I was listening to a podcast about civil engineering or how to sharpen a pencil. Uh, uh, and I said, that's the best review yet. I'm going to read it on the next show. He it, said, please do. I won't be listening, but feel free. Feel free. So thank you. I, or feel free to use my Instagram handle, or I am Derek from Bend, Oregon. I said, you got it, man. Appreciate the free content. Yes. Huge erection. Thank you. You know, it's not for everybody. And incidentally, I'm really good at sharpening pencils. <laughs> I've worked out the, the best system with my electric sharpener where I can get it just so. Electric sharpener? So yeah. you're not one of these twee guys with the, the, the old school one that you screw onto the wall? Uh, and, no. And use that? And, you know, pencil, speaking of pencil sharpening, thank you. <laughs> Huge erection. Um, I remember seeing like one of these CBS Sunday morning shows where they focused on there's this one guy who made all of this money and his whole shtick was he's the perfect pencil sharpener. Really? And he would hand sharpen pencils. You know what? So I've you seen, seen this. This is an it's art. It's in a glass case. Yes. And uh, you, you can whittle a pencil sharp. And in fact, before pencil sharpeners were invented... <laughs> <laughs> that is how it, that is how it was done. People would whittle their pencil sharp. It's a and that's, show. that's not a euphemism. It's they a would show about pencil sharp. So thank you, Huge Erection, and oh. for reminding us of the um, fun world of pencil sharpening. Now, civil engineering. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, seriously, but now, seriously, folks. folks um, so, what have you been up to this week? Anything? I've been up to reminding people that this episode is brought oh. to you by. Recovery in the Middle Ages, Patreon. Right. Right. Join us on Patreon. We've got a Discord group. It's growing by leaps and bounds. Mike and I are active in it. and But what you really get is all the awesome monsters who are recovering together. So go to patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages. You can get it in there for like three bucks a month. You get free mug if you at the right tier. And you get or a sticker. And, uh, you know, video episodes when we can figure out the equipment. We post them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, please join us or, you know, we also have a free, you know, hangout group, uh, recovery support on Facebook. Um, yeah. So, you know, Come on to the Facebook. Re, you know, it, it maybe just telling your story, sometimes just speaking to other, um, you know, recovering addicts and, and alcoholics is enough to help you. So please. If you're middle-aged, you know how to use Facebook. If oh. you're younger than that, why are you listening to this in the first place? Hey, uh, I just remembered something. I'm raising my hand. Uh, yes. Call on me. Call me. Nat, Nathaniel. Yes. So you guys remember that our, our website has had some issues. <laughs> so we sent it to rehab in India. And it's all... <laughs> it's I a think beautiful rehab. It's finally working. Um, but it's a bit of a redesign. And, you know, it's kind of cool. I'm not crazy about it, but it's it's good. It works. Um, and we don't it, like it. It's yeah. it's mediocre, but go and use it. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. The it's great. Is, you worked very hard on this. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> but you had to find the guy My to friend do in it. Bengal. Yeah, and I work closely with him as closely as I can, being so far away. And so it's starting to shape up. So there's a your story. Uh, send us your story. We love to read uh, monsters out there. You know, your experience, strength, and hope. <laughs> but really, uh, tell us. Is tell there us still going to be a place on that website for you to send your story? Or are they better off yes. emailing it to MikeArtMiddleAgesRecovery.com? I say there is a place, but I've never been able to figure out how to retrieve the forms that get submitted. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, MikeArtMiddleAgesRecovery.com. So, yeah, don't, even if there is a form, uh, don't use it. <laughs> I, I am still working on it, so, um, you know. 
But so the website is middleagesrecovery.com. So what did you do this week? What Not recoveryinthemiddleages.com, which is how Dave has been saying it for the last few weeks. Um, actually, he actually puts both. He puts both. I bought recoveryinthemiddleages.com and it forwards to our site. So did you? Yes. You are that was the first an amazing man. Because as I'm registering domains, I said, what if someone just types in the, uh, the name of the show? Because that would be the, the logical thing to do. I go. thought somebody had it already. Me. Okay. I'm the guy. Wow. I've got it. Wow, we could sell that for so much money. Wowie zowie. <laughs> so, <laughs> how was your week? Anything exciting happen? How was my week? Anything exciting happen? Yes. My son was home for the entire week. Which That's meant exciting. that the bathroom was a fucking disaster and the house was a total mess. Mm-hmm. And my wife was a basket case mm-hmm. and my son was indifferent. <laughs> so, that was basically the yeah. week. Uh, poor kid. He's having some struggles. Um Freshman year of college is, uh, it was rough for me. Yeah, me too. I failed out after, well, no, actually I made it another year, but, mm. um, it's tough. He's just not, I don't think his head's in it, but he feels like he cannot be successful in life without a college degree, even though I've grabbed him by the lapels yeah. and what passes for lapels with t-shirts. Mm. And I'm like, you don't need to go to college. You can do so many things and half the jobs in college are going to be replaced by artificial intelligence True. soon anyway. So yeah, think I of mean, something else like be yeah, a, be a lineman, be a fucking, you know, go write estimates on houses or cars or yeah. something like, you know, there's plenty of stuff yeah. you can do, but uh, he Con- thinks that it's good for your self-esteem. It's an expensive self-esteem camp. I mean, it should be like, I'm torn, right? Because I was always, really the value of a college education was always really pushed on me. Mm-hmm. And so I, by hook or by crook, by claw through a decade, almost a decade and a half, I got myself that degree yeah. as, as you, yeah. you know, took you a long time too. two decades. And it really, you know, it, it, it was a big deal for my self-esteem and it was done, but I think kids think about college differently nowadays. Yeah. Like I don't, but I, he, but he has been, we've been so like to all our kids, like you got to go to college that I think he's internalized that as a success narrative. And now when I, even when I tell him that it doesn't have to be that, I don't know if he believes me. Yeah. I think uh, I, I know what you're saying because I, I had the same thing. Like, why did I pursue this college degree that I had years after my career had already been developed? You know, I, I didn't need it. Like for sure. I didn't need it, but it was in the back of my head. Like mm-hmm. if I don't have a college degree, I'm, you know, I'm not valid. My education is not valid. Like I had, and I knew it was irrational, but it was still there. So until I walked off that stage with that diploma, I just, I didn't feel like I've completed my education. And I know that's stupid, but you know, it's a neurosis. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I I don't understand what kids today. No, I I just, I don't understand how to advise my kids because it's like the world world. is totally different and it's getting, have you been playing around with chat GPT four? I have not. You could do, you could probably fire half the people at your company. Yeah. once this, you know, it could QA reports and stuff. Yeah. Interesting. It could probably type. In fact, that thing that you asked me to do yesterday that I told you I didn't have time to do. Yes. Did you, did you speak to your, no, do me a favor. Yeah. Send me the parameters of that assignment. I'm, I want to do an experiment. <laughs> okay, I want to see because ChatGPT passed the bar exam with ninety more than ninety percent of the people that took it. It did better than really, yeah, wow, and it aced the LSAT as well. <laughs> so I want to see you know because really you could just eliminate now like all first, second, and third year associates because the machines could just write the motions for us. 
Wow. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. The, don't go to law school. I don't think, yeah, well, that, that's definitely in my advice, but that was in my advice to my yeah. kids before. Yeah, my family, um, who my, half my family are lawyers and the generation older than me, and they all said, do not be a lawyer. I was like, okay. Yeah, it's horrible. Now here I am doing a podcast. So should we talk a little bit, should we lay some groundwork for our guests today? Yeah, I think so. Oh, did, what happened but, to you this week? Well, Sorry, I just well, we skipped had, over my shit. We I had t- parent-teacher conferences for fuck, our that's right. um, seventh grader. Right. So Mike and I both have a the seventh grader in the same school. And uh, in there for we are at the school at the same time many times for yes. these events and things like that. So we had parent-teacher conferences. How did Ben do? He's doing all right. Yeah. He's apparently he's spending a little bit too much time uh, on his Chromebook in mm. class. But yep. what he's doing is reading. Mm. So he's reading the Harry Potter books, one through whatever. Interesting. He's just sitting there reading them. So he has to be redirected away from that. But that's interesting. I'm kind of like, well, okay, at least he's not, books. you know, searching for porn or something right. <laughs> you know, on the school computer. Uh, so I'm I'm of mixed you know, I, I tell them, you know, you have to pay attention to what you're learning while you're yeah. learning it. You know? Yeah, the Harry Potter books are great. I'm reading them to Max right now. That's right. Um, which I'm enjoying. But By the time uh, he graduate, gets his PhD, you should be done with the last book. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's gigantic. Uh, you know, parent teachers, I mean, Max always is 100% and the teachers love him. Noah has a little bit more trouble. It's not that he's dumb or something. Mm-hmm. It's it's his. Well, he does have ADHD, like diagnosed. We're not medicating him or anything, but yet, uh, I don't think I want to. But so he struggles with attention and motivation. You know, like he does great if he's interested in something. So he had kind of a rough uh, first quarter, and um, this quarter we came in, and the teachers were like, what has, what changed with this kid? Like he's so helpful and he's got hundreds and this and that. Yeah. And, um, and I'm like, who are you talking? Like you're talking (laughs) about Noah? Like, and they're like, Oh, he's like his social study teacher. Go, he's a genius. And I said, well, slow down, buddy. Oh, Mr. A. Yeah. He's hilarious. He looks like uncle Rico from Napoleon dynamite. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I mean, it was such a positive it was like a really unexpected positive turn of events for, you know, Noah, who struggles a bit with the kids at school. He's not like a sports kid, you know, mm-hmm. like Ben. And, you know, they have a hard time fitting in and, you know, he's short and he gets a lot of shit from the other kids about being short. And, uh, and so my other intention at the school thing was asking like, what's going on? Is there bullying happening? Or mm. like, you know, do you guys notice that kids are giving him a hard time? And what uh, Mr. Uh, Hoyt H., said uh who's one of noah's favorite teachers he's a young guy he's single and like he's the robotics club Ooh, guy single. he's single <laughs> thank, thank and, you um no ring on that finger <laughs> and uh he was like i haven't seen it and he's really good with noah the teachers never see it but he also said that he's a lunch monitor too this guy oh he's a, um and he goes it's all the kids so noah's giving it back mm-hmm. they're all kind of ribbing each other and it's like really kind of part of the way that they're socializing but here's the thing about that i don't like i that. don't agree with that and i think maybe superficially from the outside when you're looking at it that's what it looks like right but if you don't take the time to sort of tunnel down and figure out what's really going on there's definitely some shit going on yeah you know and, and there's some kids it. in that grade yep. that we had a lot of problems with last year Us and we too. actually had to change ben's class last year because of it and i called the principal up and i fucking went full 
Johnny Cochran on her mm-hmm. ass, and I and then I went um, full Johnny John Gotti on her ass, and I started yelling and making a stink and talking about thing with things that were going to happen if things didn't change. Yeah, I've used the word assault before, and, <laughs> and the, you know, look, these schools get rated on how low their incidence of bullying is, right? Right. So they so they are incentivized to to claim that there is none to minimize when things are getting out of control and to handle things in a way that doesn't draw attention to the fact that there's any bullying going on in school. So I do not trust the administration of the school. I don't trust the way they handle bullying. Mm. I don't trust the way that they handle discipline in that school. So just keep an eye on it because we, because he's been, I had to be, I had to become a real big dick before anything got changed. I had a similar experience and I would agree with the guy if, I didn't talk to Noah, you know, every night and more than once it's brought him to tears talking about the way the kids, you know, tease him. Right. He tries to be tough about it and like, oh, whatever, we all just, you know, uh, but I know that it hurts his feelings and it's like, they can't, they can't do anything. So, you know, I told him, I was like, this is just, you know, we have to learn. I said, do you want to go to a private school? You know? And no, 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 no. Right. Um, because he's actually doing really well. Like he's joining the theater club. He's going to do the, um, he's going to do the musical. He said, he's decided he, Fantastic. he watched Bye Bye Birdie. And after watching the performance, he said, I can do better. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, excellent. All right. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't, there's always going to be some bullying when you're a little bit different and it sucks. Middle school is fucking, it's, it's, it's like prison. Yeah. It's you horrible. Know? Pecking orders, um, different groups hanging out with, all the jocks hang out together and yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, Ben's new hobby is like sewing. So how do you think that's going over in this fucking knuckle dragging town we live in? You know, I know like our kids, man, I wish they could band together, you know, but I don't know what the deal is. You know, yeah, Noah does acting and he's in jazz band and it's like, I mean, they have lunch together every yeah. day as far as I know. Good. You know, and, yeah, they're and that not- other kid, that other, there's another Ben that they have lunch with. Too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Double Ben. Double Ben. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys I mean, my have, wife yeah. was really instrumental in helping Ben out of his issues last, you know, last year with well, the works school. In the school. I mean, be, yeah, because so she knows where to exert pressure and where not. I just come in like a fucking bull in a China shop, knock everything over. And then oh, she yeah. has to clean up the mess that I make. I did a reply all <laughs> one time to, you know, they send out these things and it's like the entire staff and I replied all. This, if they ever touch my son again, like I did one of those. Yeah. My wife is like, you replied all. I said, yeah, fuck them. I'm like, if they, right. they should all know that I'm pissed off. This is wrong and they better address it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, well, what are you doing specifically for this kid, this kid, and this yeah. kid? Oh, we can't talk about what we're yeah. doing. I'm like, well, it's because one of those kids is the school board's kid. So, yeah. School, you know, somebody on the school board's kid. It's all bullshit. A, yeah. You know? I don't give a fuck. I'm naming names. Right. Um, Take names. <laughs> Taking names. Anyway. So. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that this will, you know, smooth out when they get to high school, if not get next worse. year. <laughs> if it gets worse, you know, I don't know. I hate to send Ben to Catholic school. I don't think he really has the same level of the same skill set that Jack has in mm. terms of being able to navigate that extra yeah. layer of discipline and, yeah, I don't think Noah would, and stress, would. you know, but we'll see. Anyway, speaking of uh, Catholicism, we have a Hare Krishna expert. Is that an expert or just a practitioner? Uh, I'm not sure if she's a uh, devotee or what exactly her position is in the Hare Krishna universe, but um, this is our interview coming up 
In minutes. In a few minutes. How many minutes? 15 minutes. 15. So let's get through some of this introductory material. So I would imagine most of the people out there, if they know anything at all about the Hare Krishnas, um, it's you know, what they see in popular culture, like their appearance in the movie Airplane, or perhaps they have been journeying through an airport and, and were approached by some devotees who were selling books or something. But um, Krishna Consciousness is the, the name of the movement writ large. Uh, it's, it's a spiritual tradition that's rooted in the, the Vedas, the Vedic teachings of India. Oh. Um, it centers around the practice of bhakti yoga, which is, you know, there's different kinds of yoga. There's karma yoga, which is like selfless service. There's a hatha yoga, which is the, you know, the physical movements. Mm-hmm. And then there's bhakti yoga, which is the path of devotional service to God, or in this case, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who they call Lord Krishna. Mm. So, um, Krishna consciousness. Yes. Mm. So followers of this Krishna, Krishna consciousness, uh, they try to cultivate a personal relationship with, with God, Krishna, through different practices like chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, which is something that you guys, sorry, stopping for a photo, mm. something that you guys probably um, are familiar with uh, hearing uh, and you know, if not, uh, so, um, in addition to chanting the mantra, they engage in meditation. They study sacred texts like the Bhagavad Gita and the Srimad Bhagavatam, and they participate in communal worship. Mm. And, um, it emphasizes the importance of spiritual growth, compassion, and a life guided by ethical principles. Uh, so today we're talking with Jiva G. Mm. She created something called the Bhakti Recovery Group, and that's an organization that combines... That's an organization that combines the principles of Krishna consciousness with the goal of helping individuals overcome addiction and find a path to holistic healing and spiritual transformation. So this is the founder of the Hare Krishna movement in America, um, Bhaktivedanta Prabhupada, uh, who came to the United States in 1965, I think it was, Mm -hmm. with nothing, and then died... 10 years, 12 years later, after having built a worldwide movement that has millions and millions of devotees and adherents. So a uh, pretty wild story. And if you ever want to go back and sort of dig into that, um, a lot of folks may know like Krishna consciousness where it's sort of dovetail with the New York hardcore and punk scene. Mm. You familiar with that at all? Yeah. I was big into the hardcore scene in the nineties and on Long Island and in New York. And, um, and I actually know these bands, you know, 108 was a famous Krishna, well, locally famous. Yeah. Uh, hardcore band. Yeah. Um, you know, the eighties and the nineties, it was sort of when these, when Krishna consciousness came together with, um, with the hardcore scene, um, you know, and there's people like, uh, Ray Capo, who's also known as Raghunath now, who, who is the, um, he's a, he has a podcast called wisdom of the sages. I'm actually wearing their shirt right now. Um, cause I like the podcast and he was the front man of the influential hardcore bands, youth of today and shelter shelter. You may have heard of. Yeah. I remember shelter. That was, uh, cool band and you also might be familiar with john joseph of the chromax yes yeah so he was he lived in a christian temple for a while also huh. um he's interesting you should look up an interview with john joseph if uh, yeah he's been on dopey yeah actually it's really and, he's uh, interesting among other places um so that so you know it's it's just sort of an interesting juxtaposition and even to this day so, sorry i just I'm, i have blood coming down my face for ah. some reason uh hold on a second okay Okay, that was weird. I'm like bleeding out from a shaving wound. Mm. Um, so I have a beard. 
So like, so why am I having a, why are we having a Krishna conscious bhakti recovery person on the show? I mean, part of it is like, because we explore all different avenues of recovery, but this one's sort of out of left field, right? Um, during the pandemic, I started to, you know, freak out and need some sort of way to like, um, to chill, right? So I saw in my Facebook feed, they fed me this, uh, an ad for this Bhakti recovery immersion that was taking place on the roof of the Bhakti Center, which is in lower Manhattan. And I, it's sort of like taking the place of the old Hare Krishna temple. Mm. And the person who was doing the immersion's name was Raghunath, which ended up being Ray Capo from Youth of Today and Shelter. Mm. So I did some research on him uh, before I went down to this thing. And this was, at the, I guess, at the end of 2020, like when the everybody thought the pandemic was done. You know, there was that brief period yeah. where we were coming Everyone, out right before like Omicron. Yep. So uh, I, I find out this guy has been on um, Rogan. So I go listen to the Rogan interview and then he shows up on Rich Roll and then I go do the thing on the roof and it was great. There was a lot of singing and chanting and there was, I did yoga for the first time in like 15 years mm. and I just sort of really got, and everybody was super friendly and I ate the delicious Hare Krishna vegetarian food. And I was like, I want to explore this a little more. So I started listening to the podcast and I've been a Zen guy, like for 30 years, yeah, you love Zen that, meditation, the but Buddhism stuff. But I was like, well, maybe I'm going to try, try something else, something that, that's got a little more, because I have inside of me, I have two people. Mm. I have Mulder and Scully, yeah. right? Yes. Like, <laughs> I have, I want to believe, you know, mm. and then I have this sort of the realist. And so, so those two parts of my personality sort of come out in my pursuit of different Eastern <laughs> religions, you mm. know, the Zen is the Scully and the, the Krishna is the Mulder ah, kind of thing. If, you, if that yes. makes any sense to any of you people who may have watched the X-Files. Um, so anyway, I find out that this, in addition to doing this podcast, there's also a discord. So I go on the discord and, you know, and then I find out there's a bhakti recovery group and it's heavily based in 12 step. And since I don't do 12 step, I didn't really engage with the, with the group, but I got kind of interested in, um, what bhakti recovery looks like and how it sort of melts 12 step in with, with Krishna consciousness. And I reached out to Raghunath who didn't answer my email. And then I uh, reached out to Jiva G who was, the person who was sort of in charge of creating and running the group. Mm. And she said she would be willing to come onto the show. This was about a year ago. And I kind of let it go because you remember we were kind of all over the place with, is the show going to continue? What's it going to look like? So I just kind of chilled out on the guest thing. Right. Until a few months ago when I started listening to the wisdom of the stages show again. And then I sort of picked up on GVG. So cool. that's a long maybe boring story about how I got to where we are. So let me try. Well, I'm excited for this. I, I love learning about here. different modalities and religion based recovery things are always interesting. Yeah, for sure. Wait, Oh, you get your coffee. Yes. Okay. Hello. Hello. How you doing? Good. How are you? Hi. Jiva. I'm here. She can't see me. Wait. Well, it's because you're not in the camera view. I'm the second most important part of this thing. <laughs> hey, Mar is that, that's not Mark. What's your name? I am you're I am Mark, Mike and Mark, and this is Nat. Hi. Hey, Nat. How Hi. you doing? Thanks for nice coming to on. See you yeah, you yeah, too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this, I'm really excited that uh, we finally made this happen. It's only been like a year in the making. <laughs> Yeah, since. I know. I know that's right. You like, I was like, is this that dude again who asked me before? <laughs> yeah. I had, uh, I'd reached out a, a year ago and then we kind of, 
we went on hiatus for a little while with the podcast. We were trying to kind of figure out the direction we were going to go in. And yeah. so we just stopped having guests on and stuff. And just, it took like a, a while for us to kind of hit our groove again. But Spoiler alert. We didn't quit the show. We didn't. Still no, here. we're still here. <laughs> I love it, man. I was listening to a couple of episodes. I thought it's great. You guys made me crack up. Nice. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Loved it. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Um, so, uh, where are you? There's a big time change, isn't there? There's like I'm in Germany. Man. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> Stuck in Krautland. Jawohl. <laughs> do you? Uh, so you live? You live in Germany? Yeah, I do. I've been here for a long time. Okay, cool. Uh, but you're originally yeah. from New York. I'm from New York. Yeah, I'm from the Upper West Side. Oh, right on. Um, mm-hmm. So our, our listeners are really familiar with like 12 step and stuff, but they are not at all familiar with Bhakti. With Bhakti, yeah. of, course. Um, of course. I'm not either. So you have to explain as you would a child. Yes. Ugh, I mean, no worries. I did a, um, I did a little bit of a spiel like before we connected the Zoom to just sort of kind of give a, a little background about it. But, um, you know, people, people don't know. I mean, if they know anything about the Hare Krishna movement, it's you know, what they've picked up from the cultural zeitgeist, you know, in the seventies and eighties and stuff. So yeah, the, the fucked up stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> All that freaky fucked up stuff. But you know, yeah. as a uh, Raghu likes to say, this is sort of like, um, you know, Bhakti 2.0 coming down now. It's a sort of a, a somewhat different, kinder, gentler approach, if you will. But, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's also, you know, people find, people think that like, you know, bhakti is just like one of the ways, it's just one, one path of yoga. Yeah. There's all kinds of paths of yoga and bhakti is just one of them, you know? Right. So, right. so, and it's not, in, you know, and it's institutionalized by other organized religions, you know, like International Society of Krishna Consciousness. That's what Prabhupada did when he came yeah, no, that, you know, I was yeah. going into that a little bit, you know, quite an amazing story he came over here in what was it like 65 or 66 or something with, yeah. uh, you know, one suitcase and a typewriter and, uh, and no connections here whatsoever. He took a steamer. He had two heart attacks on the boat on the way over. It's insane. He was 69 years old when he came. Right. Wow. His guru told him to do it. Yeah. Now this is From yoga. India. This is um, like, I have a really dumb question. Okay. So my sister-in-law, she teaches yoga, right? Yeah. But so it's like the, the physical part, right? Right. So how, what, how is what we're talking about today different from what most people think of like tree pose and all of that stuff and the downward dog and the ref, left, right, center dog and all of the dogs. That's a mean and a, that's the means and ways of getting to, there's so many different paths of yoga. So, you know, there's, wait, are we even starting this? Oh yeah, or? no, we're going, we're rolling right into it. Oh, we are. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's just how we do. Yeah, we're, we're conversational, you know. Yeah, okay. So now, um, so um, it all comes, it, it originates from the Yoga Sutras. Now, I am not a scholar. And um, I have chosen Bhakti Yoga because actually the 12 steps of recovery is Bhakti Yoga. It is a path. It is a path. It is a path to get to somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And bhakti yoga is just one of the ways. So it's not, we don't do physical yoga in that way. We practice service. So it's like 12 steps. Oh, it's yeah. like the 12 steps. So it's like service, servitude for love of God or your higher power. Gotcha. So, so it's an extremely focused higher power version of 12 steps. 
bhakti yes, yoga. Exactly. That's how I got into it actually, because I, I found it 17 years of sobriety and I got a divorce married to a narcissist, <laughs> um, also in the program. And, uh, at 17 years I hit a, like a freaking bottom, you know, like mm -hmm. an emotional bottom in my sobriety. It was just like, you know, going to meetings and seeing what can I get from the meetings, which just wasn't working anymore. Yeah. It just wasn't working anymore. Right. I think you guys can relate. To sure. That. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We talked about a sober yeah. bottom before because, you know, I've been sober, I guess, five years. And I used to think before I, you know, I got sober, like, oh, my life's going to be great. My life's going to be perfect. <laughs> right. Like everything's <laughs> going to be great. And, yeah, me too. and then once you finally realize that, you know, maybe, you know, you're not reaching for a drug or a drink, but you still are, you have that emotional bottom. You're like, help me. You need something. So it does happen. And that's when you uh, found Bhakti. Yeah. And it was kind of like a slow, it was like a slow, um, process, you know, um, you know, it was, it was really easy actually, because I was always very higher power oriented in my, in my program. But after this like dire depression, I got a divorce my whole life, you know, I was completely just devastated actually ready to kill myself. I was going to hang myself. Wow. I had it all planned out. You know, yeah. I was like going to the hardware store, get the rope. Wow. I've got this great little hall over here, like with like this, um, with like some banisters around, I can just freaking hang myself. And, wow. and I spent days in bed, you know, and I had a child, I have two kids, but I had a child at the time. And I was just convinced that they would just be way better off without me. Wow. Yeah. That's and, depression. Uh, yeah, totally. And, you know, it runs in the family. It's a family disease. So I, I can um, relate. yeah. And so I, uh, I, I lost faith in AA. I lost faith in higher power. I lost faith in everything. I just, my whole life got just freaking like, like the rug just got pulled out from underneath me. You know, it was all very structured in my codependency and, you know, giving my will and my life over to my husband as he understands himself. You know? like, <laughs> like, you right. must know better because I'm a complete idiot. Right. You must know better about life than I do, you know? So I gave him so much power. You know, I own that. It's mm. not that he's a narcissist. That doesn't matter. Right. If my boundaries are are strongly there, yeah. it wouldn't have matter. Yeah, yeah. You know? So yeah, my whole structure got totally messed up and the program wasn't doing it for me at the moment at that time. And I just said, I got to do something. And uh, I reached out to an old friend in New York who I knew is, uh, you know, has been, he was the monk for years. And um, we were like punks on the Lower East Side in the eighties together. And, you know, I just reached out to him and I said, like, you know, could you teach me a little bit about the Bhagavad Gita? You know, just, I needed to kind of figure that out. Like who is God mm. and why does God hate me? You know, like, <laughs> what's his problem, man? Yeah, dude, what, what the, the hell? Fuck? What did I do? <laughs> 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 
Yeah, I have to. I have to also watch my cursing. So if I curse, just say no, no, that's fine. We we, we just got a review on iTunes last week that said they enjoy our frequent f bombs. Yes, so we're gonna now we're gonna accelerate the f bombs. I think I'm working. <laughs> I'm working on this with my 12 year old too. We're trying to not curse in the house. I'm like, I know we got a little free with it. Let's just try and pull it back. Uh, same for and, me. I, I always gets reminded when my kid. I've got a 17 year old. When he comes home and he's like, that F in this and that. And I'm just like, oh, God. Like, what did I do? I blame myself every I single do? time. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what did I do? What horrible mother. I heard, horrible. I heard somewhere <laughs> that it's like trying to get them not to curse is impossible. But the best you can teach them is the timing and the right. placement of proper, proper application usage. of cursing. And yeah. I've also failed in that. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Proper usage. Um, so you, I just. I think from New York, when we're from New York, I think that's yeah. probably, probably something that's kind of within our bones. Yeah. yeah it's part of the courage. brand. It's like our dialect. It's on brand. Yeah, yeah it's, it's totally brand. part of our dialect. <laughs> Don't blame me. I'm from New York. <laughs> so you, uh, you spoke about, um, the punk scene on the Lower East Side in the eighties. And I, you know, I, you know, I, I came up around that point. I was a teenager, but you know, I was more of like a, a hippie kind of deadhead kid. And but you know, I would occasionally go downtown. Love Always love the dead. Yeah, dead are fantastic. Uh, but I would you know occasionally drive drift down to the Continental and that whole scene on down there, yeah. and um, you know check that. Out. And I, I had a couple of friends who were uh, who were who were who were punks and stuff. And I even I went to a couple of Sunday feasts at the Hare Krishna Temple on First Avenue, you know, back then. Because I'm, you know, I've, I'm like a Zen guy, so I've, I'm always sort of like all over the place with uh, spiritual stuff. But um, mm-hmm. could you talk a little a little bit about you know your your story, maybe like how, how you found yourself getting into recovery in the first place, and and sort of your tra- trajectory there? Yeah, I can actually. So. Um... I, uh, so, okay. So it's kind of a, kind of a long story. So both my parents are actors. Um, I grew up in like a very, um, this dysfunctional family, Mm. (laughs) um, full of like, you know, renegade Jews who like, just like not into God. Like God was like, if you believe in God, then you're like really, really stupid. Right. It's anti-intellectual. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. So, um, I had to, you know, my parents were divorced and my mom moved up to Westchester when I was in fourth grade. Um, and so I had to go to school up there during the weeks and she picked this freaking house in Westchester that was occupied or there was all these like murders in this house. So this house, I don't know if you guys believe in this, but it was haunted. I do. And I was just terrified every night. And wow. so I don't know. I just, I just, you know, I was always kind of like, I'm like every addict just like felt like never really, never really fit in anywhere. Right. Oh yeah. You know, and, um, and, and moving upstate, that was just, that was tough for me. It was like, you know, I, I came from the Upper West Side, which is like multicultural. It's been always very famous for, you know, every kind of religion and, and, you know, every kind of race, color, creed, like everything. And and then all of a sudden I'm in this like white Westchester where like. <laughs> yeah, it's very you know, white like, bread. Yeah. Culture shock for sure. Super culture shock. It was like either, you know, like the country club types or the townies. Like that was like mm-hmm. it. And I was like, all right, where the hell, what am I going to hang, who am I going to hang around with? And mm. so I would go to my dad's on the weekends every weekend and, um. 
my mom used to, my mom and my stepfather were very, uh, I would say very confused <laughs> and not very, they didn't really want to be parents, mm. obviously. And so I was left to my own doing basically and never really, I, I was never really given structure, but I would get punished if something went wrong, mm -hmm. but I didn't really know how to do anything right. If you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, I, I was the kind of kid that would get grounded all the time, like locked in my room. I know that that's like, I hear about that now and I'm like, God, I used to get locked in my room. That's kind of. It's abusive. Up, right? yeah. It's a bit <laughs> abusive. <laughs> just a little bit. Recording in progress. So are you guys just starting to record? Yeah, that's okay. I got the audio. Well, we took, we got the audio on there. Okay. Yeah. It's an right. audio. <laughs> Sorry. I don't usually use zoom. So it just occurred to me that I screwed up with the recording. That's fine. That's fine. The audio, we're more an audio than a video podcast. So yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Actually, my son just came home. He wasn't supposed to be home till five, but anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so, so I became, I would say I was having a lot of trouble at school, you know, back then in, in you know, the early eighties, there wasn't such thing as like ADHD. There wasn't, you know, they didn't really have that kind of diagnosis. They didn't have all those kind of things. They didn't have, you know, learning disabilities and all kinds of stuff. And, and, uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't focus, couldn't focus on school. I couldn't sleep at home. I couldn't get along with my parents. So basically my whole life was like, I tried to like enjoy my time walking from school and walking home from school because mm. everything else was horrible for me. Like being at home was horrible. Being at school was horrible. And the only thing that I had was like those little walks mm. from school to home. And when I went to the city in the weekends to visit my dad. And um, so it just, you know, I discovered punk in my room. <laughs> I was, I was punished again. I was grounded and I had this little radio and I discovered this college radio station called W A R Y. It was like a mercy college. Mm. It was mercy college radio back then. Mm. And they played like all this stuff, like the cure and like the pistols and like all this stuff. And I was like, what the hell is this? And as soon as I heard it, I was like, this is the shiznit. This is, this is it. This is like, this is, this is me. This is, this is amazing. And, um, but all the bands they were playing, they were all like from, from, from England. And I never really knew that, that it even existed in the, in, in the States. Mm. So I'd never seen a punk before. And so I was like, okay, well, and I started to go to, when I was in the city, I would go to some record stores and then I, I discovered that there was a mall in White Plains. What was it called? The Galleria. The Galleria. The Galleria. <laughs> you remember that place? And they it's, had this like. It just yeah. died. I think the last Did it? tenant uh, pulled out like a week ago. Oh, so wow. it's, uh, oh. it is dead. <laughs> oh my God. That's weird. I'm talking about it. And like now it's just gone. Um, so I discovered this, um, I, I discovered this little, little record store in there. And um, I found a dead boys album. And I found like, and I didn't know what these bands were. I just was looking at the covers to mm -hmm. see like who looks like a badass, right? Like who mm. looks like they could be like a punker. And I had no idea of bands or anything. 
So I'm like, you know, looking through the other, and it's like this, you know, you have like heavy yeah. metal rock, blah, blah, and then other. <laughs> I'm like looking through these, like, these like records, other. And I see like Buzzcocks. I don't even know if you know these bands, whatever, oh, yeah. but all these bands. And I just said, Fuck it, I'm taking them home. So I just bought like five records and I was like, and I just loved each and every one of them. I bought Gang of Four, I think. I bought like all these really cool records and I had absolutely no idea what I was buying. And I decided I'm going to be a punk rocker and I'm going to run away from home and I'm going to go to London. Mm. That's what I thought. I was 11. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you could have just run to the Lower East Side, right? <laughs> I didn't know it at the time. I had no idea. But see, coming to that, when I was in the weekend, I was in, my dad used to ride a motorcycle and we used to like take like little tours. And one time he was like, let's just go up the Bowery mm. and look at the bombs. And I was like, all right, cool. So like, <laughs> Bum <the> tour. <laughs> and so like, all of a sudden I look and I see these, we're at, we're right at the Bowery, we're right at CBGB's. Nice. And I look over and I, and it was a matinee because it was a Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember. I think it was Sunday back then. They used to have them on Saturdays and they had them Sundays or the other way around, but it doesn't matter. And on one of those days, it was either Saturday or Sunday and there was a matinee going on and there was all these punks in front of CBGBs just hanging out. And I just was like, dad, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I just looked over and I was like, wow, like, wow, look at all these Punks, I can't believe it, you know? So I, I kept that in my mind and I just kind of just didn't, I would never have gone down there when I was 11, you know, or 12 years old to go down there alone or whatever. And um, yeah, just to fast forward, that was just kind of like my first, that was my first feeling of, of a calling in mm. a way. His music was always something that saved my life. Like I would come home. The only thing that I would do when I came home was listen to records. I just came home and listened to records. Yeah. Listen to records, try to remember all the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Used to read them, right? I used to sit there with the booklet. Yes. <laughs> reading the lyrics and then listening to it and just like mm, trying to get in it, you know? Oh my God, totally. Yeah. Like become it, yep. actually. Yep. Yep. You know? That's what people miss today is like there's no liner notes. Do you now think they do all, it? Oh, my yeah. son was reading the lyrics on the Amazon show thing. I was like, you never look at the lyrics, but it like it. It has like the bouncing ball. Oh, really? But uh, it's not the same. It's not. It's definitely not. You don't not. have. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, where's the artwork? The you know, artwork, but, and yeah. you get the booklet, and mm, like the inserts and the record. It would have a different cover. You know, it's just so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was like unra like un un unra like the the revealing yeah. of some like I don't know mini holy grail or something <laughs> like yes I got the record. <laughs> so um. Yeah, just to fast forward, because I know we don't have that much time, right? We have like another. Yeah, we can. We can. I don't have to go to work, whatever. Yeah, much. <laughs> I, I want to be respectful <laughs> of your of your time, so you know. Oh no, I, I'm I'm good. It's all good. I have I planned on my schedule is free today. Cool. So it's kind of my day off, so I'm really happy. Nice. Get this day off. Yeah. So um yeah, so um, <laughs> so I figured. You know, okay, great. You know, there there are punks in New York. There are there's you know there all there's there's this and, you know, I was very uncomfortable at home, very uncomfortable at my mother's house, very uncomfortable with my stepfather, who was a a, a complete neurotic, like 
hypochondriac, like neurotic Jew who is like constantly, are you guys Jewish? Is anyone of you Jewish? Uh, I'm a halfsy, but I grew up, you know, I'm a halfsy too. I'm I'm a huge Woody Allen fan. So that's all I picture. (laughs) I might hate myself, but it's not because I'm Jewish. So. You do that really well. That's yeah, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my God. Nice. You got to do that. Wait, one nice. more time. One more time. I want to hear that one more time. Yeah, I hate myself, but it's not because I'm Jewish. You know, because I grew up, my aunts and uncles talked that way, you know. And so I heard it all the time. But yeah, you know, I can relate. I can relate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're also halfsies. So um, he was pretty violent and. Not like, I mean, he, he, he would, he would whack me. He'd hit me and stuff. And I mean, worst off, he would say like, when you come home tomorrow, you're getting, you're going to get, you're going to get whooped. Mm. So I would like have to like, like walk with that for like 20 hours to like, be like, all right. So tomorrow when I get home, he's going to come upstairs and I'm going to get my ass kicked. Mm. That was just not nice. No. (laughs) And so I was just, you know, (laughs) Looking back in hindsight, I just think like, God, those poor bastards, like they didn't have any idea what they were doing. Like none, totally clueless. And, you know, I've, I've done my 12 steps so many times and there's a lot of forgive, uh, you know, I've forgiven all of it. Um, but anyway, I just got so sick and tired of being there that, you know, being homeless was something very attractive for me just to like, I would constantly fantasize about living in the woods, being a hermit Mm. or wherever, just away, just anywhere, but not there. Mm. And, you know, I wasn't allowed to go to my dad's house because I don't know. They thought that it was best for me to be in that horrible Westchester thing (laughs) instead of go to public school in New York city. And I just thought like, I have no, you know, like just, just did not jive with me. Westchester was like really horrible. I got like really teased by a lot of the, you know, the Guidos and yeah, it's tough. Hey, freak. Yeah. Hey, freak. <laughs> mm. You know, like yeah, it was there. <laughs> we, we were just talking yeah. about this before we started the interview because our kids are kind of, they're not jocks. They're not like your typical suburban kids. Yeah. I mean, his kids into the theater, my, you know, son is into sewing and stuff. And it's like, but I, I love do. it. Yeah. I love it. But, it, but, you know, I see it as really cool. And I'm like, Noah, you're turning into the kid. I always wanted to be. You're so cool. You know, he's like, but at school, they give him a hard time. Yeah. You know, he's not a sports guy. He's kind of short, but he's, you know, he's awesome. I think he's awesome. But the other kids, it's like, you know, they don't know what to do with it. Just so like us. When we were in school, yeah. I don't know what to do with if it. If you don't fit into the box, there's problems, right? Yeah. I mean, the suburban box is pretty tiny. Always. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, in sixth grade, I was already selling black beauties. <laughs> really? I was selling black beauties up there in Westchester. Wow. I'm trying to yeah. imagine my son slinging black beauties last year. I could year. see no one doing that. In sixth grade, dude. Yeah, they're kids that's are, insane. That's really young. Yeah. You were yeah, very forward. Really you were forward thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How old are you guys, by the way? What years are you? I am uh, 55. I'm 44. 44. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So you're a young oldie. I was in the 90s. My music scene, since everyone asked, was in the 90s, <laughs> hardcore music. I was into Pantera, local Long Island hardcore, like, you know, Vision of Disorder, 
and you okay. know all those bands biohazard like when cross, they were coming like up like the whole crossover stuff yeah. that was my huge thing and then also i really when when i was picturing reading those like lyrics and stuff like nine inch nails those early records i was so Great. into it was Good such stuff. a like a dark turn you know from like the hardcore music was kind of like prosaic just like day to day like i'm fighting to be myself and then like uh, nine inch nails was like you know, struggling with existence and like, you know, am I totally. nothing? You know, so I really, <laughs> so that's where I was at in high school, <laughs> you know, just still yeah. there. Yeah. I just, no, I, I went straight us, to right? Grateful Dead yeah. and, you know, sort of melodic uh, into the bluegrass scene and that direction after uh-huh. Jerry died. I never really got into jam bands, but uh, I really appreciated the punk ethos, but the music just, it was, it missed me somehow. I don't know. Such you as know, life, the, you know? Well, you know, that's the thing, though. Like, you know, punk and hardcore, it's not like it's great music. People are like, this is just freaking totally chaotic. Like, how do you even listen to that? It's not It's it's not music. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's a feeling. Right. It's a feeling. Right. So everyone, you know, processes their stuff. Otherwise, I was constantly angry. I was mm-hmm. an angry, 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 angry child. Right. So it spits back at you for males. People, yeah. Like, it spit back at me the way I was feeling, you know, and yes. who I was. I'm like, yes. That's me. And uh, exactly. You feel like you identify with it in a way that for me, like I just, I didn't know what to identify with because it was nothing like my parents and nothing like my friends. And when I heard that music, you know, wow. I don't know. I look back to the, to the boomer, to the, the late sixties, Owsley, the acid, the LSD, all that stuff. Like I was, I was, I mean, I was meditating Zen meditation in high school, though, to try oh, and weird. like. My mother was an alcoholic; she was a That's narcissist. So I mean, it was all, so. I mean, it's weird how the directions you go in, though, you know. So I kind of went down that true. road, and then I got into cocaine and crack, and then it was like you know, I don't know what I was doing after that. But then things got really great, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Nothing like doing acid and crack. They call it space basing. Oh, wow, <laughs> That's like the worst shit ever. I couldn't yeah. even imagine doing crack, crack and freaking tricking. Tripping. Yeah, it wasn't oh, uh, a pain. pleasant. But I guess it's kind of like mescaline back then, right? With all that speed in the mescaline. Oh, yeah. I used to... Like the go, purple double barrels. Remember those? I used to get those in the Jerome Park up in the Bronx because I was up at Fordham at the time. We'd go down there and buy them off some shady dudes and then spend the whole night like feeling like somebody had switch, opened a switchblade in your stomach all night. It was just... Boy, you had way more fun than I did, both of you. I'm jealous. <laughs> the 80s yeah. were more fun than yeah. the 90s. It's sadly. <laughs> in, so, in some ways... So, I mean, it was yeah. fun until it stopped being fun, right? Right. It worked until it well, didn't. The 90s That's why we're not still music. doing it. Yeah. And then anyway, you got into sorry. bhakti yoga. <laughs> then I got into bhakti yoga. No. So then I just, I like left home. I left home. My mom actually got sick and tired of me. And when I was 14, she told me either I get a job, go to school or get out. Wow. And I was like, well... <laughs> See ya. Bye. See ya. <laughs> See ya. Man, that's and young. Like, that's young. 14 to, yeah. to leave home, you know. Yeah. Even back, yeah. even in the 80s when like 14 year olds were considered almost mini adults in some respects. You, right. know? you have your bar mitzvah and then you go to work. Right? <laughs> Everybody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, no, I just, I just, I couldn't take it, you know? And my dad, like, even like after a few months, my dad offered for me to sleep, you know, to, to stay at his house and mm. like, why don't you just come home, come uptown? And I decided not to. I said, nah, mm. this is just too much fun. Mm. Hanging around the Lower East Side, sniffing glue. <laughs> 
And you were surviving on the streets as a 14-year-old or you were staying with friends or like... Yeah, just couch surfing, staying with friends, staying here, staying there, staying in squats, staying in friends' houses, sometimes Tompkins Square Park, sometimes with the winos. Oh, yeah. But there was like a crew of us. There was like a crew of us. It wasn't like I would stay there alone. Like a traveling gypsy. Yeah, there was like a few like other like kid punks like me who were like runaways or kicked out or whatever. And we would just like hang, you Mm. know, drink beer. We'd have like get quarts of beer that I don't even think there were 40 ounces back then, but there were, there were, <laughs> yeah, we're talking we the mid eighties that definitely the forties were the, around. No, early, 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 early eighties, okay. like 81, 82, a uh, little before my time. Maybe the 40 was invented in the mid eighties. Yeah, I think it was actually, because I don't remember having wow. 40s back then. Okay. So do you remember having either quarts or half gallons of Canadian Ace? Canadian Ace? Canadian Ace. You can get that <laughs> at a bodega. There was like this bodega, this one bodega yeah. that we would go to. we get Canadian Ace. It was a half gallon Jesus. thing of beer. Wow. That one I never <laughs> like, heard like of. A, we, we were all like Narragansett. Like thing. <laughs> yeah. You ever drink Narragansett? No, I was more of an no. old English. What is that? It's uh, it's a beer from Rhode Island, but it was <laughs> in, the, in the Bronx. But <laughs> oh, ease! <laughs> it was big in the Bronx for some reason. I'm not sure why, but under every cap there was like a puzzle. You know how they have sna- <laughs> they have like Snapple nowadays? Yeah, yeah the little like facts. fun fact. But this is like you had to you know you drink a. It was a forty, and then the- try and figure out the puzzle on the underneath the cap. It was just torturing drunk people. It was fun. <laughs> torturing drunk people on cheap, yeah. cheap malt liquor. Uh, yeah. So um, I did that for a while. Then a friend of mine and I we hitchhiked to California. That was a trip. Um, mm. All the way, also just getting chased out of Texas with shotguns and. <laughs> Oh my God. It was insane. I remember in the middle of like the middle of the night, somewhere in Texas, I was peeing in someone's yard and I didn't know it was someone's yard. And they came up with this big shotgun. <laughs> what y'all, what are you boys doing out there? Cause you know, we're like really short hair and yeah. boy like, you know, yikes. Ugh. Yeah. That was fun. And then after that, I, I went back to my dad's house when I was, 16. So almost two years later, I went back mm. to my dad's house. The 16. prodigal daughter returns. Yes. The prodigal daughter returns. Killed the fatted and calf and he fell upon <laughs> your neck. The whole thing, right? <laughs> yes. um, but it was, you know, it was a pretty good time. They tried to, no one really knew what to do with me. They just kept trying to like, what are we, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? My real name is Gwen. So what are we going to do with Gwen? Like, where is she going to go? What are we going to do with her? Like, she won't go to school. She won't, you know, get a job. She won't. So this like just went on for a while. And then I wound up saying, okay, I'll go to school and city ads wouldn't even accept me. So that was pretty bad. Mm. So I wound up going to park West alternative, Martin Luther King and park park West West alternative called West side high and 103rd in Amsterdam. No. Yeah. Between hundred. Yeah. 103rd in Amsterdam. 102nd, I think. No. 101st in Amsterdam. Mm. And, um, yeah, three white people in the whole, in the whole school. school. Yeah. In the whole yeah. school. So you must've been a celebrity. <laughs> oh yeah. That, no, yeah. Some people liked it. I mean, there were some really cool people that I never really got too much, too much trouble there. You know, we were all like misfits. 
Mm. And how was the drugs and, and like, what was the culture of that school? Like as far as the party, we were dusting, we were dusting, like we're dusting on the, on the, on like on the benches in Rocksteady park. (laughs) There's just like right on a hundred in Amsterdam is Rocksteady park. It's where they used to, you remember the, you remember Rocksteady, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was like right at Rocksteady park and we would just get dusted. Like I started smoking dust at like 15, 16. And then, you know, I was just doing like everything at that point. Like didn't matter, you know, sometimes I'd grab a pint, like I'd grab a pint of tequila for, you know, for breakfast and then just go off to school. And, and that's when it didn't feel like there was consequences. I was trying to think back onto when, you know, I did, at least I didn't feel like there was consequences when I, like Mm -hmm. at that time, you're like, there was no wrong you could do with drugs and stuff. It was just fun. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. When did it turn? Absolutely it it turned when I started doing heroin, man, and pretty quick. <laughs> That'll do it. And pretty damn quick. Yeah. <laughs> Once you graduate from the the dust and the weed and the acid, and you notch up to, yeah. to heroin or you coke catch or habit, crack you know. or something, then it it all goes like right off the cliff really quick. Yeah. The funny thing is, is that I I, I smoked a lot of crack when I was about fifteen when it first came out, and I didn't like it. I was like, ooh. I, I wish like I didn't like it. it I, I really liked nervous. it. It was like my favorite thing to do for like five years. Yeah. It the made me so fun. nervous. Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah. And I had friends who smoked it and I'd smoke when they smoked it, but I just didn't want to have it after that. I think there's ho- cocaine people and there's heroin people. Yeah, right? totally. I think, yeah, you all know? of, all of the world can be divided into two <laughs> kinds <okay>. of people, <laughs> right? You're either cocaine people or crack. And that's how I see everyone I meet. I'm like, that's a crack guy. That's, that's a coke guy. <laughs> Not that I wouldn't do the other stuff if it was around, but you know, <laughs> I mean, seriously, you're up, it's uppers or, or downers, yeah. right? I mean, or yeah, you're the, if I had the, if given the choice, if you put both of those things in front of me, I go for the coke every time. Every time. Mm. Or what about the surprise bag? I had a friend of mine whose father was a shrink and he just like, he just like went into his father's praxis and just like, yeah, he just put all these pills in a plastic bag and he came to the monument where we used to hang out on 89th street and and Riverside at the, at the soldiers and sailors monument. Oh yeah. And he had this big old bag and he was like, just pick one. See what happens. (laughs) See what happens. (laughs) Man, I could not do pills. I, I was always scared of pills. Mostly because I didn't, I mean, I took, there, there were still quaaludes around in the mm. 80s. That was well, interesting. I, I was a lot like Picasso. I oh, had yeah. like a blue period and then I had a red period. So like <laughs> I was into one thing for like four or five years. And then I was like, eh, heroin, boom. And I'm like, nah, you know, go back to speed and yeah. Coke. So I was all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or speedballing. That was, speedballing. That, that was me at the end. At the end, I was speedballing. The end. Oh, I wish somebody had told me so, that heroin would take me down off of like a yeah. multi-day Coke binge. Cause I probably would have used it. Yeah. I used to get a bag. Well, actually, so I guess in you're, hindsight, I'm glad nobody ever did. Yeah. You're very, you glad. need a dealer yes. who'll give you both. Like I'd get both. The guy'd be like, buy a bag what? of heroin. And then he'd be like, you want to get some hard? And I'm like, the first time he asked me, I said, hard, what? And he's like, come with me. And then <laughs> come with yeah, me. he's like, just come here. You know, I got something for you. And uh, that's how I learned. And it was huh. like, we all work together. I would just take like, occasionally benzos, but usually I'd try and Scott drink scotch my way into going to sleep. Now, what not does very, this have to do healthy, but with sorry. bhakti yoga? Sure. <laughs> sorry. Just kind of. Oh my God. Yeah. We're like drug logging here. Yeah. We're really bad, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So eventually you got into a 12 step situation right from from all this yeah. running around from all this like when yeah. i was 18 19 i just hit the dope hit heroin it was down from there it was like all i did was like from that point on from my first you know 
my first like um, detox um, until I surrendered, until I like hit bottom. It was like eight years of fighting, you know? So I got in the program when I was 28 years old. I hit my bottom in Berlin. Um, It was a very cold, it was a very cold February night. (laughs) Um, It was actually. And um, uh, I just got like let out of jail. I wasn't like, I never really went to prison, but I've always been like, I just got like arrested for shoplifting. And um, so they just let me out. Um, and it was like one of those Februarys where it was like springtime, you know, it's like where it's all of a sudden it's like 70, 70 degrees in February. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a jacket. And so by the evening it was snowing and I just had this like, like thin long sleeves t-shirt on or something. And uh, <clears throat> I got released, went on the train wanted to go see if I can get any kind of drugs. And, uh, when I got to that street, it was empty and it started snowing and I had no jacket and I was jonesing and shivering. And I looked down the street and it was just like, this beautiful, like it could have been like a postcard, you know, it was like these street lights, like one after the other, just in perfect, in like marching and perfect, mm. you know, all the way down to see nothing. It was a very straight street. And, and like, you know, the snow petals were the snow, snow petals. No snow. Flakes. What is it called? The little flakes. flakes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Germany too. I like snow petals. Little, I do too. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> I like it. Snow petals. And the snowflakes were just, um, kind of you couldn't really see them until they were hitting the light you know the streams of light the rays of light through the street lights and just frosting the whole street and i thought to myself this just cannot be the rest of my life mm. this isn't the rest of my life turned around made a collect call to my dad said i gotta come home i'm done mm. i was 28 years old i lost the custody of my daughter um because i was using so much and um, at that time I would, had just gotten into prostitution mm. to support my habit. It wasn't long. I did it for about four months. Um, and, and today I have actually no moral problem with that whatsoever. It's, it is what it is. Right. It, it's just that, you know, it's like the typical, you know, addict thing. We start doing things we said we would never do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Draw if the I had the option. Jump right over them. Yeah. Like, you know, I remember where I was at in that sort of, you know, similar place. And who, like, if I was, if I had an option to like make a quick buck doing whatever, I would have done it. I was selling everything that wasn't nailed down. I just didn't have, so that's why, you know, and uh, I think we've done a good job just in general, not a best job of de-shaming that sort of, you know, like looking at it from a more realistic perspective. So it's great that you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't have a moral problem with that. It's, It's all good. So, um, yeah. And then I got clean, you know, I hit my bottom and I got clean, you know, got the custody of my daughter back, moved back to Germany, stay clean, you know, got married to, I got, I went to a NA convention, met my husband there. Um, I was 12, 30 at the time, but just turning 30, somewhere between 29 and 30. I was a year and a half clean, met my husband. We spent the next 17 years together. I had right. my daughter from the other marriage. Then we had another son we had a son together. He's now 17. 
And, um, you know, we started this whole different life. Like I, you know, he's a different guy. He comes from the whole techno scene, you know, the European techno scene and he did different drugs than I did. You know, he just took ecstasy and did a lot of Coke and, you know, the party drugs and smoked a lot of herb, a lot of weed and drank a lot. And, you know, so totally different, totally different things. But, um, he was very, he came from a very conservative Neurich family, you know, like a new rich, Neurich or whatever you call it, you know, like those. Nouveau riche. En français, they would say the next country over. Yes. Nouveau riche. Um, family and, um, very, you know, very dysfunctional, but very conservative. Um, and, uh, so I figured, you know, he has it figured out. I'll just follow this dude, you know, (laughs) you know, Buddy, you got all that. You know, it's good. This is like this is like what recovery is, right? Mm. Exactly what it do- doesn't say in, in NA that you know, uh, social accept uh, acceptability is not does not equal sobriety or mm-hmm. recovery, right? Yeah. Right. But um, yeah, so then I got like a normal job. I started working at Ralph Lauren. Um, I've worked there for fourteen years. Wow. Mm. Um, visual merchandiser and you know doing the windows and all that stuff. Cool. A- and um. After my son was, when he was about six or seven, I just, I started having, I started getting, my program wasn't really, it wasn't doing it for me anymore. You know, it was really, uh, I was sponsoring a lot of people and I wasn't really, I didn't feel like anything was reciprocal. Mm. Um, I felt not very heard whatever, all of that. But I, we got a divorce. We got a divorce. You and um, NA. I, um, you divorced yeah. the program and I did. your husband. <laughs> right. Then shortly after, well, that right. took a bit while after that, but yeah, I, I, I divorced the program and said, I just cannot right now. I just wow. cannot. Mm. And, um, um, but actually the divorce first came with my husband. I divorced him. I told him I didn't love him anymore. And that, uh, we have to have a divorce and this was hell because he made my life fucking hell Mm. at that point. That sucks. And, you know, I gave him everything. I said, I don't care. Just take everything, go with God, but just go, you know, just Mm. whatever. He took the goddamn washing machine, dryer. (laughs) Were you like, I didn't really mean it literally. (laughs) Like, don't take, take the washing machine. Everything yeah, really, the freaking washing machine. <laughs> but, you know, I just figured I'm not going to fight. I didn't take him to court. I didn't ask for alimony, nothing, you know, pride, whatever. But I just, I don't want that. Like, that's not what I want. Like, I'll mm-hmm. I'll figure it out somehow, but I'm not going to court. I'm not doing all of that. Yeah. That's that just, just prolongs the whole <sighs> separation, right? Yeah. And I you're mean, a kid. win anyway. Yeah. You were a kid he'd who win. survived on the streets, mm-hmm. too. You survived on the streets when you were 14, you know. You you could do it on your yeah, own. Yeah, that's. Had that, you know. Moment. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But then I feel, realized mm-hmm. shortly, uh, like my whole life, mm-hmm. my whole life structure was built on this marriage mm-hmm. and on my kids and the program and all of it was gone. I lost I, I just lost everything at once. Mm. My family, my program, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> but you that's didn't relapse. Like. You did, but you, did you? No. See, that's amazing right there. Because if you ever had an excuse, if you ever, you know, as an addict, looking mm-hmm. for that, if you've had that reservation, a lot of people, that was your moment to go out and no one would have blamed you, Right. 
but you didn't. And like, why not? Well, because I knew that that would be a slow fucking death for me. And I figured I'll just, you know, at some point, you know, it just got worse and worse. And my depression lasted a good four years. And then uh, on top of it, I went through menopause, (laughs) whole hormone changing. It was just like, I mean, and then I got like fibromyalgia. It was just, I had to quit my job. It was just like this, like this seven year period or whatever. Yeah. Seven year period or five year period of just like God taking everything that doesn't serve me anymore Mm. out of my life. And in hindsight, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. It made me truly, first of all, look at my codependency, look at my life, look at what I need, what I don't need, look at how, you know, I never asked myself truly, I was always too busy rebelling, Mm. but I never asked myself truly, who am I? Right. What do I want? What is life according to me? Right. Without, Without having all those voices of, Anytime that I ever voiced what I wanted, it was always shunned. That's stupid. That's childish. That's this, that's that. You know, and I listened to it. It's, it's easy sometimes to live a reactive life, right? Where, where you've totally the scaffold that's built up. It's like everybody else's wants, everybody else's needs. And then you, you, you're just, things are coming at you from the left and from the right, and you're dealing with them as they arise, but it doesn't leave enough yes. space for you to sit there and really think about what is yes. life. What is the point of all this? Why am I running around like a rat in a maze? You know, what a um, great point. Have you, were you at this point when you were going through this, this crisis, you know, this seven year crisis of, of your life, like, had you been exposed to Krishna consciousness or bhakti or anything at this point? <laughs> I reached out once to some devotee that I knew from way back and he sent me a dick pic. So that was kind of, <laughs> So he's one of those devotees. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, really dude. I mean, he's not really, he's not really a devotee, but he's sort of a devotee, but it doesn't matter. I was just like, okay, whatever. You're not the dude I want to talk to, but yeah, it always crossed my mind because the little that I did know of, of bhakti yoga and of, of being a devotee and the, you know, the Hare Krishna movement, um, the little that I did know of it, um, it made sense to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wanted to tread carefully and I still want to tread carefully. I tread very carefully on any religion. Yeah. You know, I see everything through a 12 step lens first. Okay. So the 12 steps are my car and bhakti is my road. Okay, cool. That's it. You know, um, I don't subscribe to any institution. I am not a part of an institution. This is just, yeah, I've created a space It's called the bhakti recovery group. Yeah. Um, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't I? I'm no, you can go wherever you want to go. It's all yeah, good. Um, yeah. So I created this space, you know, so I, when I got out of the depression, I figured out, you know, I started doing yoga and then I figured out uh, I wanted to take a yoga teacher training. And then I started to take this yoga teacher training, which was a two year training um, in Germany. They're very thorough. Um, <laughs> Efficient. <laughs> so, Trains run on time. The, the teacher training is very precise. Yes. 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 Uh, so it was really, it was literally a two year training and you don't learn just asanas. You have to learn all the, the history of what yoga is from the yoga sutras, philosophy of yoga, the breath part of yoga, the asana part of, which is the movement part of yoga, everything, mm-hmm. all of the eight limbs of yoga. And 
what it all means and all the different kinds of yoga, the jnana yoga, the bhakti yoga, you know, the, the karma yoga. And these are, all of these are just different paths to enlightenment. Right. All of them. And bhakti is just one small one. Mm -hmm. And it's through bhakti is kind of like the small bus to God. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's the easiest way because it's actually tangible. It's, it's kind of very much like the 12 steps. So you have like, you know, tools like we do in the 12 steps, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so, and it's the same with bhakti, you know, in the first step we say, you know, uh, we admitted that we're powerless over our addiction and our life had become unmanageable. So in bhakti, we become, we surrender first, right? We surrender and then we can start to practice. Yeah. You know, and the second step where, you know, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves would restore sanity. Yeah, of course. But the power That's is when you Krishna? Come to believe that, yeah, the power is Krishna. And you know yeah. what Krishna means? Mm -mm. All attractive. That's it. All attractive. Mm. Explain. You got some splaining to do. You got some splaining to do, man. So... <laughs> You got some splendid to do. <laughs> so Krishna um, is God, but it's but it means all attraction. So every it's like it, you tell me. Okay, yeah. so all attractive. So <laughs> so you also have two different ty types of of Krishna worship. Well, mm. no, you have one type of Krishna worshiper. But all these different paths of bhakti are either impersonalists or personalists. So if you're, if you're a Krishna bhakti, if you're, uh, if you're uh, a bhakti yogi um, and you believe Krishna is your God, God, God has a face and it's Krishna. So he's a man. Like Krishna a personal, is a man. It's a personal person. It's an yes. actual person as opposed to being like a spirit of force. It's not in the like a nebulous, right. you know, unlimited exactly. force outside of time. It's yeah. like, a, exactly. There he is. It's like Jesus a, or God. Exactly. You know, a lot of parallels Christian. to yeah. uh, the Christian Jesus, which is the physical embodiment of yes. God type of thing. So it's, yeah. Totally. Although Krishna's totally. not an avatar, Krishna is like the God. The other gods are avatars, mm. like Hanuman and, and Anamanapia. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> My favorite. So very interesting. So, <laughs> so you, you feel like you got, and I was listening to an interview um, with you the other day on uh, that other show that I came Wisdom remember. of the Sage. Yes. Yeah. And um, I was struck by just how it was so similar to what I've heard on the, on the Christian side of things. There's a lot of uh, Christians who were mm -hmm. in 12-step who were just like, this higher power stuff, it's too nebulous. It, it can't possibly do for you what a Jesus or a, like a named God can do for you. And it sounds like it's kind of in that same thing, like you're naming that higher power it gives you something more to focus, totally. you know what I mean? Something to hang on to. Absolutely. You know, like if uh, God is just, um, you know, a doorknob, like they say early on to get the agnostics, they'll say, yeah. oh, God can be anything. But well, well, how can anything, you know, forgive me and bring me to sta sanity? How is a doorknob going Absolutely. to, you know, get to my heart? That's absurd. So by naming it and giving you something to hold on, you know, Krishna and, you know, it's much more powerful for you, it sounds. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is when, when I discovered, you know, Krishna consciousness is what is, as I would call it. Um, and I discovered all the parallels in the Bhagavad Gita, um, uh, about the process because the Bhagavad Gita is just basically a conversation between Arjuna and Krishna. And so Arjuna was Krishna's cousin and he was a very powerful warrior. And it's basically, I mean, it's to put it really simple 
It is the process of Arjuna's surrender. The whole book is the process of Arjuna surrendering. And it's, I mean, that's the most basic bones, not even, it's like even basicer than the basic bones. Mm. It's, but that's kind of, that's one message you can really take with you. And it's done in a way, um, it's done in a very metaphorical way, but it's also real, right? So this is real history, but it's also, you can also look at it metaphorically. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, we have... You know, you have impersonalists and other people who, who, who comment on the Bhagavad Gita. It's not just the one that I read. I read it from, from Prabhupada, his purports. Um, and there are others like Shivananda, Swami Shivananda. He's more of a, I don't even know if he's a personalist or an impersonalist. I don't know. He just kind of swankers back and forth, but <laughs> you know, he's got other, other, other reflections, you know? So they're very it, different wrong. the way, the, the way the impersonalists and, and, uh, Prabhupada approached the Gita. I mean, it's like almost totally. like you're reading a totally different book. Wait, so impersonalist would would mean it, you don't believe that Krishna is a specific like yes. persona. It's then you're doing the like it's the universe type of thing. So those right. are the two. Just to make it clear to me and the audience, you have impersonalist yes. and the personalist is like the personification of the the God consciousness, I guess you'd say, or the God energy. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And those are two separate like approaches, but do they get you to the same place type of thing? You know, that's what they say. Yeah. Okay. That's what they it's say different for everyone. I think what Prabhupada said was that both are equally uh, useful vehicles to getting to where you want to go, mm-hmm. but uh, Christian consciousness is faster and better and, and yeah. better and better looking. <laughs> it's the small bus. <laughs> <laughs> But the surrender, that really resonates with me as someone who I was in, you know, I, I was in 12 step for a long time. So I do resonate with this, you know, the idea of surrender. When you say surrender, I mean, that is a big part of 12 step or in recovery. It's being able to surrender to the program, surrender to God or surrender to your addiction, however that may be. Uh, and so that makes a lot of sense. You know, if it's a parallel story about surrender, it's something you can relate to and follow. People and have a so lot of problems with mm-hmm. surrender, though, with the idea of surrender, which is what I thought was interesting because I was listening to that interview also. And um, I think uh, Raghunath asked you a question about your. Um, Did he let uh, me answer it? I, <laughs> more, or less, answer? more or less. More um, or less. I love the, you, Raghunath. Sorry, I don't mean to tell it. <laughs> don't worry. He's not listening to it. He was yeah, asking you about the, the, the retreat that you were, uh, the retreats that you hold. And, how, and you mentioned that you spend like an entire first day on the first step, which is really the surrender step. Right. And that's, that's the one, that's the big hurdle, right. To get over. That's, that's the hurdle. That's, that's the beginning point. If you're not in the, and the most interesting thing is, is in the Bhagavad Gita, the surrender happens in the last chapter. (laughs) (laughs) First step, but the last chapter. Right. Yeah. Yes. But it's also at the beginning because there's just layers. It's like, it's like what we do. It's like when we come in, it's like, like what you said before, um, um, that, um, when you came into the program, you thought everything is going to be great from now on. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. As um, soon as you, you know, get this sobriety, boom, magic. Yeah, exactly. And, and it is like that for a little bit yep. until real life starts coming and you got to surrender to everything else. Yep. So it's kind of like that in the Gita, you know, it's, you know, like, okay, he's, he's having a hard time. He's got it. Like, so he's in this battlefield, um, in the Gita, 
So Arjuna and Krishna are in a battlefield and Arjuna has to make this tough decision of killing the other side of his family, fighting them and killing them. And he doesn't want to. He says he cannot do something like that. There's not, no way. And in one verse, and I think it's 2, 217. Oh, like I said, I'm not a scholar. Um, but it's in the second chapter somewhere where he just says, or maybe it's not even in the second chapter. Sorry, guys. Our audience isn't going to hold you to the yeah, to the exact citation. <laughs> yeah, I promise. but still, I, I hold me to this. I yeah. should know this. But he says, you know, Krishna says to him, you know, your family are already dead. It is Krishna's yeah. will already. And when you don't do that, you will be, you know, not doing your responsibility. It's your duty. It's mm. your dharma, mm-hmm. which means your duty to do that. It is your destiny, your dharma, your duty. To do this, they're already dead. And that, that is a very deep, deep, deep thought. So while he's surrendering to the process of yeah, destroying his family, cousins and uncles and nephews and nieces or whatever they all, not nieces, but yeah, yeah you know, his whole family, while, while understanding, wanting to understand you know, why he has to do it or or not do it. All this stuff happens and all these conversations happen and, and all these signs happen. And there's all these stories, which we call Leela's in between. It's so beautiful. And it just shows that like, and then it comes again in the 10th chapter, this, all of a sudden Krishna is talking about all his opulences. He's talking about his opulences before in the Gita. And when, Around in the ninth, tenth chapter, when when Arjuna surrenders to Krishna and finally believes that Krishna is God, he finally believes that Krishna is God. I surrender to you. You really are God. It was his best friend and his cousin, but then he realized he's God and he surrenders to him. And then Krishna starts to say all of these opulences that he has and all of these things, I am this and I am that and I am the oceans and I'm this and I'm that. And he had, and, and first time I read that and the first few times I'm like, why does he keep repeating himself? It's like, yeah, it's like, what an ego. Like, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, God, like I'm this and yo, I'm the, you know, I'm the shiznit and I'm this, but it wasn't like that at all. It's, you know, it's that finally Arjuna is realizing Mm. that he's just that this person all along, everything that's been there all along, even his friend, even his close friend, all of that, that he has this opportunity to surrender himself to God. And then he becomes completely, it's like, it's, you know, in the beginning of the, of the wizard of Oz, mm. everything is a black and white mm-hmm. and they get to Oz and everything turns color. Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> so it's like that realization, right? Like, oh my God. And then all that stuff starts to make sense. Is that a white light moment? Like they talk about in the big book, like that spiritual awakening is it's kind of on par with that. It is, it is, but it's a little more subtle in the Gita. Um, Through my 12 step lens, like I said, Mm. that's how I see it. Right. And I'm like, as far as Bhakti goes, I'm like a total beginner. So forgive me with anything that's Shastrically not correct because I've only been into Bhakti for like six years and I do not like to read. I listened to your podcast. I listened to your podcast last week or the last one before this one. Yeah. Okay. And we were talking about that. I'm like an audible person as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love to do it. So 
I'm just not Shastrically. I'm like in the mood of Bhakti and, you know, I've read everything and I've heard everything, but I can't remember everything. So I have to do it over and over again. I mean, in all fairness, there is a lot of information in the Gita. (laughs) Never mind the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is this other set of, it's, it's It's like Encyclopedia Britannica. It's literally 11 volumes. Yeah. of, Of that. And, and I mean, I think like 12, you know, um, the journey that Arjuna goes through in the Gita and the journey you go through in the 12 steps, it's like the journey is the, is the destination, right? I mean, cause you have to right. go through the whole thing before you, you get to that space. Is right? it like the hero's exactly. journey? Is it, is it a parallel? We did a whole show on recovery and the hero's journey as you know, Joseph Campbell wrote about. So yeah, it's I didn't probably, that. you know, that cir- cyclical, that cycle of the hero gets the call to adventure. He first refuses it, then he accepts it. There's a mentor. You go through a dark night of the soul. Hmm. You emerge yes. you know, and all of that. And then you return home with the, you know, the changed consciousness type of thing. And that's oh, dude, your, yeah, that's, yeah, that's right nice. I'm going to have to check that oh, out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the that's hero's totally journey. on point, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've it. heard of it. I just never. Yeah. yeah. I always love, well, I was an English major, so it was a lot. So I'm, I'm like comparing all these different things in my head, all my like the 12 step experience, you know, um, all of like literature. And now I'm learning, we're it's learning about all the these. same. It isn't is. It? Yeah. It's all yes. the same. Christianity. It's all the same. Even Christianity is the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's Everything. the same. Now, historically, we can talk about that. The Christianity has ripped that all off yeah. from the Vedic because it's way older. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, the whole Vedic, the whole Vedic culture is the oldest culture even known to mankind to correct me if I'm not wrong. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was I think thinking so about too. this the other day, how, you know, the, the, the way the sort of the Vedas just sort of branched out across the world, um, totally. you know, cause Buddhism comes out of Hinduism, which comes out of Vedic culture. Yes. Right? It's Buddhism sort of like, Protestantism of it's like all of, rock and roll goes yes. back to yeah. blues, you know, the yes. old blues yeah. or uh, absolutely. The yeah. So you know, for me, it's like this: I'm I'm not in it for the religion. I'm in it for the path. I'm in it for the discoveries. I'm in it for you know. I'm in it because it makes sense. Yeah, it just right makes sense to me. It's not like it's not like I'm not like in some like ho- like hokey weird like. I mean, it could get hokey, weird and culty if you wanted to go that way. You know, you want to go yeah. that way, go for it, you know. But for me, it just makes a lot of sense. There isn't it, it, it's it's you know, it's a science for me. It's not even really like I don't look at it as some like mystic, like, oh, dude, like, yeah, like, you know, Krishna's here and there and like everywhere. And, like, you know, like this. No. God bless the people who get something really from that. You know, like, I love that. Yes, I love, of course, the, I don't want to criticize. You're right. I know. But it's, I think we're on the same page with that as yeah. far as the spiritual, like it's a path. Really. Yeah. It's the science of self-realization. Yes, it is a science. It is a science. And I believe this and it's hands on. If it's not practical, if it's not tangible for me, it's, it, I can't see it as spiritual. It has to be in my heart, in my head, in my bones and in my hands. Like I can't, like, I can't just like sit here and think of God and think it's like what you say in a program, right? We can't think our way into good action. Sometimes we got to act our way into good, good thinking. thinking. Mm. And, you know, some of the practices that we do in bhakti are, you know, um, we offer our food. Why do we offer our food? Okay. I can tell you a hundred reasons why we offer our food, but I'm going to tell you the, 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 the reason for me, the most important reason is that if I'm constantly engaged in God consciousness, then I'm constantly engaged in God consciousness. So, you know, if I'm like constantly having that connection, 
higher, uh, a connection with a higher power through giving my food. There's so much more about offering food, but I don't want to get into that right now. That's, that's, this, these are just the beginning. So we're constantly engaging ourselves in thinking of God, connecting with God, how we do that. We chant, we chant the Hare Krishna mantra, which is Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. We do that. <laughs> A we lot. do that hundred and <laughs> we do that hundred and eight. We do that sixteen rounds of hundred and eight every day, which is like two hours a day of chanting. So that's the meditation part, right? Mm-hmm. We thought saw through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. Mm-hmm. So everything we do in bhakti is also a tool. So we do service, loving service, selfless loving service, so that we connect with God. Um, we offer our food just like a Christian will say their prayers before they eat. Right. Um, and you can just go on and on. I mean, there are so many things that we can do. You know, we don't eat meat. We don't engage in illicit sex. We don't gamble. Uh, Oh God, what's the second? Don't do intoxicants. Don't do, yeah. Yeah. Cloud the mind. That's what I said though. Did you? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's the one that I'm, I'm drifting. Did I say that already? I don't think I, I don't think so. But no, do you watch yeah. The Real Housewives of New Jersey? Is that allowed? No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I could do whatever the heck I want. <laughs> you know, the thing is, it's this. It's, it's the question of me, and that's the whole yeah. thing. What do I want to have in my mind? And how, how is this? I can ask myself this question every day. What is this doing for my recovery? And what is this doing for my relationship with God? Mm-hmm. And there are days, and this is the thing, and this is the difference. I have a choice today. I can say nothing, but I choose to do it anyway. Mm. But there are days where I say, no, I want to watch trashy Netflix, but no, I should do something else. Mm. Like I should do, I should read something from the Bhagavatam or I should do this or I should do that, or I should do some service, whatever. You know, like I said, I'm, I see everything through a 12 step lens. It's like, you can be as dogmatic as you want. And you can be as liberal as you want. And this is why I created the Bhakti Recovery Group. Because if you're just hanging around with regular devotees who are amazing and the bar is very, very high, the bar is very high to be, a, to be like a very devout devotee. Um, there's a lot of self-punishment in that. And there's a lot of, you know, like, uh, there's not a lot of room for 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 slipping up. People don't allow themselves the time to process their, their Mm. process, their process, you know, there's no time. And so what the 12 steps does is take that, soften it up, look at it through a 12 step lens and see this as a journey. You know, um, it's not that everybody who's into bhakti, who is a devout devotee doesn't allow this process to unfold. But there are a lot of people who don't. Mm. There are a lot of people who don't. And there's a lot of shame. A lot of people do stuff behind, you know. Yeah, the shame is is something that we've been working to, you know, in, in this alternative recovery movement that we're a part of. It's, you know, breaking down that shame and really focusing on just like, which is why, you know, Bhakti Recovery, it's a, it's a much better vehicle for people in recovery trying to build themselves back up. You know, we yes. need, need to be told you're, you're bad, you're bad, you're wrong. We've gotten That's enough horrible. of that. Yeah. We need yes. empowerment. We need to, a exactly. connection. Right? Exactly. And so how do they get in, in touch with like a bhakti? Like how can someone who doesn't live in your town, in Germany, um, you know, get together with a bhakti recovery group? Like what are the points of access for, for your uh, recovery group? 
everything is online. Um, online? What, on the computer? Yeah, that's online. Wait. Computer. They have it. <laughs> you can just get on the computer, you go to a, a website, and then there's, do they have websites anymore? <laughs> I think so. You are so funny. <laughs> That's so are you cool. joshing? <laughs> no, but really, so Bhakti Recovery, you have Facebook groups, you have a website, and people can engage and have these, probably have Zoom meetings, right? We have Zoom meetings more than once a day. We have, we have about, I would say about 16 meetings a week. Wow. Um, you go to www.bhaktirecoverygroup.com. Um, we do retreats as well. Oh, that's got to be awesome. Retreats are great because we dive real deep into the steps and we work together as a team, as a group. Um, I will be doing, I'm doing actually, you know what? I'm starting a podcast, you guys. Oh, yeah. cool. I heard that's fantastic. I didn't, Raghu told me I have to. <laughs> yeah. When, when like, is that, uh, when's that coming into existence soon? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm like, I'm on the spectrum. So just so that, you know, it'll happen as soon as I'm done with the design, which I've been working on for two weeks now, <laughs> hyper-focusing, taking like, like ripping my hair out here. It's like keeps changing, but no, very soon. Yeah. I would awesome. say in the next month. Oh man. It's, well, be out. we'll announce it and everything. Make sure you tell oh us. So we'll yeah, let us know. And I'm going to announce you guys, man, I'm putting you in the Bhakti recovery group. I'm going to put the link. Cause yeah. you guys are Super. great. I'm like a huge fan of you guys. You yeah. guys are, oh, thanks so <laughs> much. Great. That's awesome. Oh, I would love to. I mean, um, yeah, we're always looking, especially in our listeners are listeners are very adventurous intellectually and they're all, you know, searching. They want to know, you know, just like us, we want to know all of these different modalities and it's, it's been yeah. so interesting for us to learn about. It's this. quite a great journey and uh, really yeah. supports us in our own recovery. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's really fun. great. And I love it that you guys are so open because there's not a lot, you know, I got a lot of pushback from a lot of like real traditional AA people who are just like, you can't do that. Really? What does that serve? Yeah. You know, what you does know, that kind of thing serve by It does serve nothing. nothing. I said, it's just like a special interest meeting guys. So just shut up and sit yeah. down, yeah. you know, That's come if right. you want, if you don't like it, then don't come. I mean, yeah, right. it's love, it's support, it's growing. Yeah, this is what matters. Absolutely. So what we do in a meeting is this, so that you guys, so maybe some of the listeners know what we do at a meeting. Um, I wrote my own pre, I wrote the own, our own preamble, which I pretty much is like pretty much the language of any 12 step preamble. I took a lot of language from NA and AA and a lot of language from the Bhakti stuff. Uh, we read the preamble, we read how it works, um, our own, how it works. And it's all very similar to 12 steps. We, we practice Everything is the same. The 12 steps are the same, except for the word Krishna. And one thing that we changed is the 11th step. We say prayer. We saw through prayer, meditation, and the chanting of the holy names. Got it. And yeah. that's it. So everything stays the same. Um, and the traditions stay the same. And so we haven't really, we haven't really changed anything. So it's just. But that know. one change is a big change, you know, and I think what's great it about is. your group is people who are already entrenched or, or they're used to a 12 step program, but they're kind of feeling like a little bit let down by praying yeah. to the doorknob or the group of drunks. Maybe this can give them a comfortable kind of exit ramp or a supplement where they can feel totally. a little more connected. It's exactly God, that. You know? And it's like, even if Krishna's not your jam or not your thing, you know, we welcome everybody. It's like every other meeting, like it's open to anyone who's even just curious, like yeah. you don't have to believe in Krishna. And you can just listen to the stories as an educational thing because, yeah. you know, it's not like, oh, you have to believe in Krishna to come to these meetings. That's a lot of, that's a, that's bull. Like we don't believe that at all. We are all welcoming, 
you know, and so what we do is we start with that. And then we read some 12 step, we, we, <laughs> all different meetings. We have CODA meetings, CODA oriented meetings. We have AA oriented meetings, NA oriented meetings, adult children of alcoholics oriented meetings, sexaholic meetings. Um, but we all visit each other's meetings. Everybody goes to all the meetings because we believe it's all the same solution, yeah, no matter what sure. program you're working through. Yeah. So we got a lot of people with eating disorders coming to the AA meetings and the AA people going to eating disorder meetings and whatever. It's all good, yeah. except for the sex meetings. Those are all male. And someone's trying to start a woman's one as well now. So, but um, yeah. And then we read 12 step literature from whatever the chairperson picks for 10 minutes. And then we read 10 minutes of Vedic literature, either the Bhagavad Gita or books by Prabhupada or anything Vedically, uh, uh, what is it in English? Centered. Mm. And um, we read that for 10 minutes and then we open up for shares about what we read. That's it. That cool. sounds so it's great. Just like, yeah, and it's super simple. I wish you guys would come. Why we don't you will. guys come? I think we will come. I think I'm, I'm going gonna come. to. Let's do For it. sure. I've been sort oh, of man, skirting on. on the edges of it. I just don't have a huge 12-step background, so I'm, I've been sort of like, mm, I don't know. If I... Come tomorrow. Come tomorrow. I'm chairing tomorrow's meeting. What time? It'll be, it'll be, wait, we haven't set the clocks. <laughs> you guys set the clocks, right? Yeah. Yeah. You we already the... did it? Yeah. So I think it's 12 o'clock your time. Yeah, I got to work in Jersey tomorrow. Mm. Well, let's see. Maybe a different sure. day, though. I got I, I got to go to the office. Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah, okay, that's probably better. Saturdays and Sundays. Saturdays are good meeting. Sunday I chair as well. So. Oh, cool. Well, let's stay in touch. I hate to end this interview, but no worries. I'm starting to Cutting. get massive work anxiety. <laughs> Massive. That's the Jewish side of you. Yes. I mean, I'm not even Jewish, but I have it too. I'm getting like lots of phone calls. I'm like, ah, I okay. don't want to. I'd rather do this all day, frankly. I know. I know. Me I know. too. Yeah. Me too. Jiva, right, thank you so much. Uh, we really you. appreciate you coming on. I think I think folks are going to really appreciate. Yeah, this. you're yeah. awesome. It was so great yeah. talking to you, and I love oh, how I can awesome. I can see you, and we're like connecting over this computer machine. <laughs> It's amazing. So do I. I'm super happy about that. So, hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Really. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Let's stay all right. in touch. All right. Yeah. All right. Enjoy the rest all of your right. day. Bye. You too. Bye. How do I turn this off? I don't okay. know. There we go. I'll turn mine off. And media yeah. for all. There we go. Recording Ooh. stopped. Yes. And we're back. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That was awesome. She was really Love cool. talking to GVG. Yeah. I, I love this um, idea of like ecumenical recovery. You yeah. Know, different um, specialties. <laughs> specialties. Yeah. It's like thinking. sort of like recovery specialty. It's the Krishna flavor. Right. Right. You have neurologists speaking to orthopedic surgeons or yeah. Christians speaking to, you know, the Jewish temple and you have 12 step speaking to the bhakti people. Yeah. Well, I hope folks uh, learned a thing or two about the Krishna consciousness movement and its intersection with recovery. Yeah. So, um, so we're going to skip the uh, recovery in the news because I think we went pretty long today. We went long and we're both freaking out because we're getting work messages <laughs> and it's like, you know, um, we want to make sure that um, we keep our uh, jobs intact and so forth. But uh, I had a great time and uh, 
Thank you so much you? for listening. Yes, I, I did. <laughs> yes, you did. Visit us at middle, the newly revamped middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. So tweet us at twat. You twit. Support your favorite show. That's us. Drop us a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts and um, send us a, send us a, your story. We want your story. We want to read your story. We want to read your interviews. We want you involved. Go to patreon.com slash recovery in the middle ages for a higher level of uh, a higher support. consciousness level of, of consciousness, consciousness, consciousness. Consciousness. And finally, the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend. Tell everyone about RMA. We are recovering together. We're supporting each other and we're having a good time doing it. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. That's progress, not perfection. See you next time. Stay fresh, cheese bags, and be good. Yes. Goodbye. Bye.